Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right, we're back. Max, how you doing, buddy? I am doing good. I can't complain, my friend. <laughs> okay. I am making it, and my headphones just died on me, so that that was awesome. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got all kinds but, uh, of issues going on. But you know what? What's that? We're back inside the locker room for hour number two, the power hour, and we are joined by Steel City Insider editor himself. Um Probably just getting fresh off of a snooze himself, Mr. Bob Labriola. Labs, how are we doing today? We're doing pretty good, uh, Max, but I just want to you know, correct you on one thing. Instead of sleeping, I was setting up um, a little uh, participatory radio for you and Wolf. I came up with this, what I think is a great idea. We're going to have okay. you and Wolf put the gear on. And put you on op, uh, opposite ends of the line of scrimmage, and you can try and block T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith. And then, after trying to do that, you can explain to the listeners what it's actually like. So uh, I set that all up for you guys, and um, let me know what you know what's good for you, uh, what day is good for yeah. you, and um, we'll get right on that. What do you think, Max? Huh? Yeah, let me let, let me check my Palm Pilot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I would like it's eighth to never at no ain't gonna have it a clock. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, in my in my younger days, uh, Bob, I, I I I did try to block one of those guys. That would be uh, uh, Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> Head issues there. You think any it's gotten any better? <laughs> <laughs> as i've aged no it's not gotten any better just in case you're wondering exactly and wolf still had a leather helmet on so you know i don't think he would understand all this helmet technology even with jeff hartung coming in he just kind of he just kind of looks glazed over when he talks about sensor pads and data analytics <laughs> absolutely labs thank you for joining us and i certainly jump in and want to say um, I, want, I love to hear your perspective. You always have a nice way to put a kind of wrap things up succinctly, but you know we're we're going back and forth between a lot between execution and you know uh, calling plays and back and forth and everything. But how did you see last night's game go down? Well, you know what what I, the way I look at <clears throat> excuse me the way I look at it is you know the 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 picture has changed significantly uh, from the first week to the second week of this season. Um, 
the first week after that game was over, uh, in my mind, there were, there were no silver linings. There were no positives. Uh, it was a complete, total, three-phase uh, butt-kicking, throw in the play calling and, you know, all of that stuff too. And it was, you know, total organizational failure, okay? Um, today, you know, you still have a lot of those issues, uh, you know, and we can get into the detailing some of the offensive struggles um, and try and figure out, you know, <laughs> who's responsible. Um, but for me, just as an observer of the game uh, and having watched uh, Kenny Pickett for every game uh, of his uh, career as an NFL starter, he's not the same player he was at the end of the uh, – down the stretch of the 2022 season. Uh, he's not the player we saw at training camp uh, or in the preseason. Um, you know, they, they often refer to playing quarterback as grip it and rip it. Um, he's doing um, too much of the former and not enough of the latter. Mm. Um, yeah. So, you know, that has to get better. Uh, there are, you know, let me say this, too. I'm old enough to have – whined and complained about every offensive coordinator in Steelers franchise history, okay? <laughs> there have been times, you know, starting with Tom Moore in the 80s when he was the right. first one to get the job, um, that I've complained about play calls and what are they thinking and, you know, Tom Moore, Ron Earhart, right down the line, everybody. So um, there's that, that – I think that of all the jobs uh, – of on an NFL team, offensive coordinator slash play caller is the one that more fans think that they can do better than the guy who actually has that job than uh, any other job there is. And I'm putting myself into that as well, okay? However, there, there are those things, those issues. But now the feeling is, um, you know, there is a silver line. There is something that you think you can hang your hat on with this team because this defense can win games for you. And, um, you know, that's – to me, that's that's a significant uh, bit of progress. So, um, you know, it, it, it allows – the way I look at this is it allows uh, the Steelers to be – to remain relevant – during the early portion of this NFL season as they continue to work on, you know, their flaws. Um, because, you know, they'd still be working on their flaws if they were 0-2. But then you're also getting into the danger of by the time you figure this stuff out, your, your record is so bad that you can't catch up. So if you find some ways to win early while you're working on, uh, you know, your warts, uh, you stay relevant in the NFL, and really that's kind of as good as it gets for September football because they don't give out any trophies or rings or any of that stuff on September the 30th or even on Halloween. So uh, this is a long slog yet. The Steelers have, are, are far from an unfinished product, and again, we can get into some specifics of why they or not why they are, but where they are unfinished, um, but at least you can now say, well, whoever they play, if they don't have an answer, you know, they don't have a young Max Starks and a young Craig Wolfley uh, to block those two outside guys, um, they could lose. 
or the Steelers could win, depending upon you know which which way you're looking at the at the issue. So uh, to me, that's a significant difference. Uh, I feel a lot better about this team now that it has found something, an aspect, a phase, however you want to describe it, of their game that they can hang their hat on and use that, you know, to win. And let's not forget, this defense is doing this without Cam Hayward uh, yesterday, with, without without him at all. And, you know, they were without Minka Fitzpatrick, too. And I don't even want to think about what that might be like if, you know, that's not, uh, you know, good news coming out of the Mike Tomlin news conference here uh, in a little bit. But as I said, um, there, there, there's – there's something they can hang their hat on now. Yeah, no, Labs, I, I agree. And, of course, you know, the good news, <clears throat> cautious until we get to the actual press conference, was that the results from the hospital was that everything was negative and that he was released. So that's one positive as it moves right now. Now, how that affects going forward in the week will be another thing. Um, can you also talk about kind of some of the D-line contributions we saw a lot more Keanu Benton DeMarvin Leal had a superb game Larry Ogunjobi Armand Watts was in there along with Isaiah Loudermill can you just talk about the rotation of that defensive line and how you saw that playing out well I really thought uh, Larry Ogunjobi was really stepped up in a a big way I mean he was um, you know you need to and and again this is this is your your guys territory but you know, the Steelers' um, run defense, you know, was not uh, exemplary against the Browns, even after Nick Chubb was knocked out of the game. Right. Uh, you know, I thought that there were some, um, and again, I'm not a, you know, stay-in-your-gap expert or what, what, you know, how that all comes together as a, as a unit, but it seemed to me that there were some, you know, over-pursuit at some times uh, with a little bit of sloppy tackling that allowed some uh, big cutbacks and then led the big gains. Um, so, you know, there's, there's that in terms of evaluating Keanu Benton and Armand Watts and, you know, those people, Isaiah Loudermilk, Marv, the Marvin Leal. But Larry Ogunjobi was standing out. He was in the backfield. I could see him, you know, when, when I'm able to see uh, someone, uh, especially an interior lineman, either offensive or defense, um, spilling into the other team's territory, you know, spilling across the line of scrimmage one way or another. And either, you know, if it's an offensive lineman, you know, getting to the second level and, you know, impacting uh, defensive players on that level, or if it's the other way around, a defensive lineman getting into the backfield and um, wreaking havoc uh, back there, uh, to me that's, uh, you know, it's, it's obviously good play. And, you know, kudos to Larry Ogunjobi for being so good that I even noticed. Um, <laughs> and so he was my, you know, early in the, early in the game, um, he was, I thought he was right up there for, you know, player of the week. That, that thing I have right. to pick that, you know, comes with no monetary <laughs> award. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, Ogunjobi was, you know, he recovered a fumble, had a sack. Yep. Uh, he, was, he was making himself uh, a nuisance to the Browns. And, and so, yeah, I, 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 I would say that he really uh, acquitted himself well in that game. You know, Labs, that's a great eye by you because I, I, it's one thing 
to come out and play well against an NFL lineman. It's another when you're playing against one of the very best in the NFL, Wyatt Teller. You know, I've been watching Wyatt all week long in the build-up to this game. I have a lot of respect for his game. He's one of those guys that he's big, he's powerful, he's mobile. Uh, we watched him take Jermaine Pratt, the inside linebacker from uh, from the Bengals, and take him 20 yards down the field and just gore him to death almost on the field. I've watched him where Cincinnati defensive ends don't even want to take him on on a trap. But I watched Larry Ogunjobi abuse him, let beat up him. I mean, I couldn't believe it. Larry O was beating him up. I mean, just blown by him and, and turning him. Like, I've not seen him get, you know, used like that. That was really amazing. And so that's a great eye because Larry O was desperately needed. I know we talk about, well, his foot has got some issues or he got ankle and so forth. But, man, when he was needed last night, boy, did he step forward and did it against an opponent who, I got to tell you, I got a lot of respect for the guy he was beating up. Yeah, and the and the Browns' offensive line, I think, is one of the strengths of their team. Yes. Um, the way it's been described to me is that they do an excellent job of uh, getting a hat on a hat, which makes it difficult uh, to neutralize them, you know, because they are big guys, uh, largely athletic, even though we all know offensive linemen are not athletes, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but, um, nice shot. You know, so that makes – so that makes, you know, the Browns difficult to deal with. And, uh, you know, it, it allows them to have, I don't know, it seemed to me to be a running game as good as any as, as good as good any in the NFL, uh, especially before Nick Chubb got hurt. I mean, I watched every play of the Ravens game against the Bengals, and, you know, the Ravens are supposedly one of those teams very capable of playing bully ball and running a football, but – I don't know if they're any better at it than the Browns. Um, so, uh, yeah, that, that to me was a, a difficult assignment. And, you know, Larry Ogunjobi with, really needed to step up because Cam Hayward is on IR. And, um, you know, I thought, as a, again, he represented himself extremely well. Well, you know, another question from the non-athlete section of, uh, of locker room. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> um, I do want to turn attention to the Browns offense. Have you ever in your life, uh, labs and a very long, illustrious life that you've lived so far. Um, there we go. Subtle shot fire back. Wolf. I got her back. Yes. I, I was going to say, I call you a non-athlete. You call me an old man. Okay. We're even. Let's, yeah, yeah, let's get yeah, on it. <laughs> I'll just sit um, this one out boys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, um, have you ever seen a quarterback get that many penalties in a game and the type of penalties that he got with those face masks that were so egregious? No, um, I have not. And I, I really think that, um, you know, Deshaun Watson, from what I have seen of him since he came to Cleveland, let's put it that way, because it was so infrequent that you saw him, you know, and he was playing for the Texans because, um, you know, you, you play him so infrequently different divisions and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I don't think you can, a team can win with a quarter, with that kind of a quarterback. Uh, you know, a quarterback has so much more responsibility and so much more impact on every game that is played because of the fact that, you know, he touches the ball in every offensive play. And, you know, quarterbacks are going to get sacked. 
They're going to throw interceptions. They're going to make mistakes, okay? But that knucklehead kind of stuff is, is how I would call it, that face mask stuff and, you know, that kind of thing. And doing it more than once and then, you know, getting involved in after the, the face mask situation with Quan Alexander on the Steelers bench, pushing that official out of the way and not getting ejected. I mean, I, you know, that – if if that game was officiated properly, he's gone. He's gone, and and that's not, that's one of those no appeal things. You put your hands on a on an official, you're gone. That's it. That's you you know. Right. There's no replay. There's no pleading your case to a higher authority. There's none of that stuff. And he did that. Uh, you know, it was it was easy to see. And so someone who allows himself in that kind of a position on a football team. To lose his cool, lose his poise, uh, in, in those kind of situations, you know, you can't win with that guy because you just never know when that's going to crop up again. Uh, so, yeah, I, um, you know, for example, Lamar Jackson is so, so, so much more dangerous to opponents and valuable to his team than Deshaun Watson is uh, valuable to his team and dangerous to opponents because Lamar Jackson, you know, he's that same kind of escapable kind of guy. You're, you're playing against him, trying to keep him in the pocket. You believe that you have a better chance to be effective. You know, if he's not out on the perimeter running around making plays kind of, you know, on the fly because, you know, that kind of fast break football is right up, you know, the alley of their skill, respective skill sets. But Lamar Jackson doesn't, you know, he doesn't do any of that knucklehead stuff. And so, um, yeah, to, to me, the Browns, because of the kind of uh, quarterback that Deshaun Watson has shown himself to be and the, the amount of money that the Browns have committed to this guy guaranteed, so that like, that's like um, putting a weight around their neck. Uh, you know, I just think that it was throughout his tenure there, um, you know, they're not going to be able to win with him. Speaking of knuckleheads, did we have a Miles Garrett sighting last night? I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't recall. Uh, let's see. We've got a stat line here. He had one tackle for one combined tackle. He got a quarterback hit, but I, I seem to see zeros across the board there. Can we say that maybe, uh, you know, one of the good things offensively, that occurred last night was the fact they were able to minimize his involvement. Um, you know, again, he did not, he did not wreck the game for the right. Steelers. And, you know, if I, if you would ask me uh, who was the most disruptive on that Cleveland front, I would have said uh, Darius Smith. Yes. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, the Steelers uh, throughout his, uh, Miles Garrett, the first overall pick of the 2017 draft. The, the Steelers have had decent success, you know, controlling him, minimizing him, you know, however you want to describe it. So, yes, uh, kudos to the pass protection. Uh, but let me say this, you know, with every good there seems to be a bad. Um, you know, talking, I was talking earlier about, you know, watching the line of scrimmage and seeing which way the colors bled. Way too much white. Yeah. When when the Steelers were on offense and you watched the snap of the ball, way too much white was either penetrating or not being moved. 
And, you know, yeah. um, I think that's legit. we can talk about Najee Harris's uh, r- uh, rushing totals, the Steelers' rushing totals as a team. Um, but to me, there, there were not holes. There were a lot of plays, you know, where Najee had to fight to get back to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Um, now, whether that's bad play by the offensive line or good play by the defensive line, again, I'll leave it to you guys to, who know more about it to kind of, you know, cut that baby in half like King Solomon yeah. might. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that, to me, that was just too obvious. Too much white uh, in the Steelers' backfield or remaining on the line of scrimmage uh, in their positions uh, than we were seeing, uh, you know, the other way when the, when the Browns were running the ball. Yeah, no, I completely agree, Labs. It was um, there was zero push emphasized, too many gaps that were blown, um, and you know, in past situations we could talk about some of the protection issues, but in the run game, when you have big on bigs, you need to go north and south, and there was just nothing there for them to do it. Um, you know, one last question for me, Labs, and you know, um, this is something. As we look at the culture and, you know, people are talking about, oh, this, that, and the other with with play calling. But, you know, when you look at that win, had you seen a more dominating in recent memory? Because I know we could probably find, you know, those 70s teams. um, But had you seen a more dominating performance from a defensive side of the ball? by the Steelers, I mean, in about how many years or have you seen one more dominating in recent memory? Well, I wouldn't call the Steelers' performance against the Browns' defensive performance dominating. It was opportunistic and dynamic um, because, you know, the Browns, they were running the ball. Uh, They were completing – you know, some passes, they converted some third downs. I mean, I thought Deshaun Watson, you know, had some things going there when he was attacking the one side uh, of the, you know, the, the, the sideline in front of the Browns bench. It seemed that when he was going uh, towards the, the, the big jumbotron at Akershire Stadium, so that would be to his left, he seemed to be having some success, you know, with finding receivers in that area down that sideline. Um, so, you know, it, it's not like the Steelers' defense shut them down uh, or, you know, rolled up a huge number of sacks. I mean, I've seen, you know, uh, games, Steelers' nine, ten sacks in a game, you know, the Blitzburg, Dick LeBeau defenses, the, the, the early incarnation, you know, in the 90s, the Greg Lloyd, yeah. Kevin Green, Woodson, and Lake when lining up on the wings and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, Sunday, it was dynamic, and they didn't make every play, but the ones they made changed the scoreboard. And you know that's the way yeah. that to me is that's what good defense is now. You're not going to shut down teams on a consistent basis on a weekly basis, but you know you can give up 60 yards to the offense. You if you take the ball away, that 60 yards don't mean anything, and. Yeah. Then if you do it like the Steelers did, you take the ball away and put it right in the end zone, and that 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 even makes it more the, the yardage gain more meaningless. Uh, so yeah, I wouldn't describe the defense as dominating. To me, it was opportunistic and dynamic, and that's good enough now. And that's I think that fits 
the personnel and the personality of this particular defensive group. And if these guys can continue to do this, and again, I'm, I'm not saying the defense needs to score two touchdowns every time for the Steelers to have a chance to win because that's not a sustainable model. But the fact that it can do that, and then as you're hoping to iron out some of these offensive issues, um, you know, it, it gives you a chance to get, you know, stay relevant enough, deep enough into the season where, you know, if you're playing well late November, December, by that time, that's when the meaningful games are. And if you're playing well then and you win those games, then you can reap the rewards of winning those games as opposed to getting to that point of the season being, you know, 3-11, and 11, which then it doesn't matter. If you're the best team in the NFL over the last four weeks of the season and you win all those games and you're either right at 500 or below, you don't make the playoffs and, it, and you don't matter. You're not relevant. So, yeah, um, yeah that's that to me is what, you know, the, uh, someone who admittedly lives in his fears is, you know, I would say uh, guardedly optimistic this week as opposed to last week <laughs> when it was, you know, gloom and doom times 10. Yeah, no, absolutely, Labs. And uh, we are up against break. Thank you for coming in. And hopefully we get to have another one of these powwows after another victory after next week. We'll <laughs> continue to figure it out um, as we go to Las Vegas. But um, make sure, guys, you tune in and check out Lab Tuesday is always asked and answered um, for Steelers Digest. So tune in to see all the questions that are answered and all the uh, the uh, remarkable responses from the encyclopedia <laughs> of, Ste- of Steelers history himself, Bob Labriola. Thanks, Labs. We'll see. We'll see you soon. Appreciate you, brother. Okay, guys, As talk always. to you. Uh, Behave in Las Vegas now. <laughs> yeah. Hey, 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 what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. <laughs> Unless it's a victory, then we want everybody to know. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Good plan. Good plan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, all right. Well, we're going to step aside here. You're inside the locker room with Wolf and Starks here on ESPN and SNR Radio. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, I got to tell you, the big moment for me came right out of the gate when Alex Highsmith made that incredible catch and return of that that bobble it, uh, you know, bobbled up uh, pass that bounced from Minka to to Alex. But it was amazing watching that young man go. Look, you know, the thing about it is, he, he, he's, he when you got a guy on the opposite side who was so prolific like T.J. Watt, man, you start to get some of that like. I can do that too, type of by attitude. And Alex Highsmith, I can't tell you what that means to come out. Did you see? I don't know if you saw the look that it flashed on the TV screen or on the Jumbotron. I can't remember which. The look on Deshaun Watson's face when all of a sudden you're down 7 nothing because you just threw your first pass and then boom, or second pass, whatever, and boom, off it goes and goes the other way. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he the the look was astonishment, de- disgust, dejection, all those type of right. emotions that he had in that moment. But you're right. I mean, the double the double doinker, <laughs> aka the juggler man, um, that Alex Highsmith was because it hit Harrison Bryant's hand, then hit Minka's hands, yep. then got forced out of Minka's hands into Alex Highsmith's hands. And Highsmith high-stepped all the way to the end zone. So it was a great progression. you know. And it happened literally right in front of us. You know, Missy and I are standing there on the sidelines. And we're on, like, the near 20. And to watch that happen live, I mean, I was jumping up and down. Because, you know, not only is it a great play for us as the Steelers, but, you know, for Alex Highsmith. I mean, just think about the progression, the questions that came in when he first came in can he be better than bud dupree you know uh oh my gosh you're pick you're picking alex highsmith over bud dupree and letting him walk to go to free agency how good did that work out as we're looking at it but if we're going to flash flash back a little bit um you know and and the year he had last year and you're like well is it a one and done situation a flash in the pan and then you see what the instant rewards are in the first two games of this season, the pressure, the boost, the tenacity and the skill and the disruption that he brings opposite TJ Watt just fuels the production of TJ, which also fuels the production of Alex. And you have two guys that are, that are playing those positions and they're feeding off of each other. It's just, it's amazing to watch. Um, and and he's just a great young man, and, and and the humility behind it as well, right? Yes, yeah. You that, gotta love that, that. That just put that just puts the cherry on top, right? That that is the ultimate Sunday, and and he's a and he's a kid that's only going to get better because I don't I don't even think he's still reached his full potential. He's ascending to his full potential, but I still think that there's more up there for him, especially once he starts developing. That spin move, I love. I love. I love his spin move. Yeah, he's definitely learned a lot from that, and and building and building on his arsenal, being able to shorten the edge. You know, wh- whether it, whether it is that that long arm stab to rip move to the outside, or it's a look, or it's, or it's the, or it's the quick club swim. Um, he's he's got so he got some moves in there that he's just continuing to craft and perfect, and and I'm really happy for him. Well, think about who else joined him in the sack circle there. Uh, that, that would also be, besides, of course, TJ. But, you know, think about it. DeMarvin Leal. Hey, he made some good plays yeah. last night. Stepped up. Racket Ralph did a good job in doing some of the things that you want to see him do. And that's wrecked some stuff. He, he blew some stuff up there. We also saw yeah. Elijah Riley get out and make a, a couple of plays that's there. right. And Marcus Golden. You know, uh, besides Larry Ogunjobi uh, contributing to the sack total, you know, it was nice to see other uh, other people coming in and contributing to it rather than TJ take. You know, TJ, it's one thing TJ gets a three and like, wow, that's awesome. But it always worries you that, you know, you want contributions from everybody because if 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 suddenly they take find a way to take TJ out of the game, you need the other people to step up, and indeed they did. Well, and you think about that, right? The sack fumble by Alex Highsmith um, to get to get that sack, and then TJ just being TJ, right? Be a ball player. Yep. Scoop and score, baby. Don't fumble <laughs> and don't fall on it. Pick it up and show us your athleticism 
in those moments. And then, of course, the the other sack that Alex had um, when he rolled out to the right and then TJ kind of came in, secured it uh, late to help him. But those are those moments where you're like, okay, those two guys are doing it. We know that these are the A1 dogs. That's why you're a starter. But then when you're saying, no Cam Hayward, well, where's the interior aspect of this going to come? And then, boom, Larry Ogunjobi. That cross face, you know, oh, man. move is a thing of beauty that I don't care how good you are. It's brutal. It's brutal. I mean, and Larry Ogunjobi, it reminds me of the old Geno Atkins. Remember Geno yes. Atkins for the, yep. for the The same first step cross face move, Aaron Donald esque as well, was a later iteration of that. And Larry has it. Um, Larry has that move down pat that he gets a guy fully committed one way and then comes back across and the guy gets his feet tangled up and and, and it's good night moon. You know what I'm saying? So just oh, give yeah. it up. And then DeMarvin. DeMarvin just being DeMarvin, you know, creating havoc, being very violent and intentional in his movements. R- he rakes down the arms, gets the outside shoulder, presses it, releases, boom, sack city. And, I mean, it, it's it's one of those things. And, and Keanu Benton was close on a couple of them as well. Yeah. I mean, give him credit for for the pressures that, that he created as well, moving Deshaun Watson off the point, getting him running to the outside. Um, there was just some great opportunities. And, and like you said, Elijah Riley. Um, what else can we say about the West Point man? <laughs> I mean, back-to-back plays he delivers – um, in big moments, he he flushes he flushes Deshaun out, which throws that hurried pass out of bounds. Yep. And then the very next play makes the play. Um, talk mm. about putting a little exclamation point at the end of the game um, for the way that he played the game um, was tremendous. I mean, Minka early had 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 some heads up ball play. Uh, Quan Alexander, when he blew when, when he pulled the trigger and. and one of the very few rare Nick Chubb slowdown plays. Mm-hmm. Um, he came and met him. He said, hello, how you doing? Wrote him a letter and put it right in his mailbox on that one. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was it was upfront and forceful. And I love that. Landon Roberts also pulled the trigger. But, you're, but, I mean, there's still a lot to fix. There's still a lot to clean up. Still, you know, too many holes and gashes um in in the run defense still looks a little porous but i think Lance put it put it nicely they were dynamic and they made you pay when you did mess up right which was, which was which i'm glad he said that because for me you know i was thinking dominating like because there were so many good things happening but you're right it was more of a dynamic opportunistic performance from them last night when we absolutely absolutely needed it and it was it was it came quick, fast, and in a hurry, and it and it came multiple times. So I'm happy that they were able to deliver that because it really helped us. I mean, heck, our our, our defense outscored our offense yesterday, and that that was that was what we needed to have happen to win that game. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You know, one of the other things that manifested itself was, you know, you think about all the the the, the tandem pass rushers we got with with Watt and with Highsmith, right? And we looked for for the last couple of years trying to find who could fill in and give them some rest time. And well, yeah, Marcus Golden, you know, and you got yourself Nate Herbig. Or I'm, I'm sorry, Nick Herbig. Yeah. You got the wrong Herbig. Yeah. But, you know, those guys did a nice job. I saw Nick showing up in the backfield. I saw Marcus Golden yeah. get a sack. I saw Marcus Golden get another quarterback hit. You know, I mean, yeah. you, you've got to love the fact that if you go to your B team, the B team steps up and plays like the A team. 
Yes, to steal one from you, Wolf, and, and give you credit as well. So it's technically not stealing, it's just borrowing. <laughs> um, get there, guys, and get near, guys. Oh, yeah. Right? Yep. And we saw, we saw Nick Herbig get near, and actually his play prompted a 15-yard loss, which is just about as good as a sack. Yes. Uh, with yep. uh, with uh, Deshaun Watson on his second face mask grab and toss. Um, so you saw him getting pressure. And like you said, the junkyard dog is a junkyard dog, man. You just All you do is, is just pull it. Pull that leash off of him and let him go. <laughs> and Marcus Gold is going to find a way. It's not going to get. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be technically sound, but it's just going to get done. You know, it's like the Tasmanian Devil. We don't care how how many spin moves or how many hurricanes you got to kick up to get there. We just know you're there, and that's what Marcus Golden provided. Um, you know, in the game last night. I mean, it was just we. It was nice to have. The depth, and I had talked about this in the pregame segment that was on the billboard in the stadium last night. Is we preached depth of this defense. Now it's time for it to show up, mm. and they showed up and they showed out, and it was it was great to see them working in coordination to get the victory. That's what it, that's at the end of the day. That's all that matters. Get the victory. Show us what you can do, and I don't care how many yards you give up. The only thing I care about is the points you give up, and they didn't give up more points than we could than we than we could put on the board, and that's what mattered. No question about it. Defensively, I think game balls are easy to come by. I mean, you're talking about yeah. Highsmith, you're talking about T.J. Watt. You know, um, you can go on and, and uh, some of the guys we've already listed. Offensively, you know, it's a little more selective, but you got to look at a guy like uh, George Pickens, who really did. Over and above what he's done in the past, he had most targets last night. He had the most yards last night. And to go on a, a tear on a 71-yarder like that, we have not seen a, a catch and, and toss like that and run since, what, three years ago? I think uh, Big Ben did it against Denver. They went 80 yards with uh, uh, the four-stealer uh, four <laughs> back in the day, yeah. Chase Claypool. Uh, he I went 80 this. yards. I guess he guess he's now an alumnus. <laughs> yeah, an alumnus. That would be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and he had a touchdown yesterday for Chicago, so good for him. Yeah. Good for good for him. Uh, but I'll still take Joey Porter Jr. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. Yes, I would, <laughs> Who too. Who had some nice pass. Did he not? Night too, Talk it. Preach. Preach, play. buddy. You Preach know? about it. I mean, yeah, 2-4 came in a big play on the edge. He was, he was squared up with Amari Cooper. Uh, on one of them, the other one, I think it was uh, what's the kid Bell? Was yeah, it Bell? David Bell. Yeah, yeah, David Bell had another nice PBU. So I mean, seeing Lil Peasy work his way into that lineup a little bit more, and giving P- Pat P some more slot re- uh, responsibility, um, is just coming just coming along. Um, I was happy to see that um, Levi struggled a little bit in the game yesterday. Um, he had he had. Had a couple of issues on some of the coverage things, um, you know, keeping things in front of him. But then when he broke on the ball, some 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 mistiming on, right. on his breaks. But but you know, I look at it and Devontae KZ, I mean, just plays hard. Oh, yeah, he, he does. yeah, he missed a couple of things, but I mean, 
listen, when he misses, he misses at a hundred miles an hour <laughs> and, and bad things still happen when he misses. Yes. You know, it's Collateral whole, damage. It, it, yes, absolutely. He, he's, he is a force multiplier to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> Collateral damage. Casey. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Kamikaze Casey, <laughs> collateral damage Casey. Yeah. None of those are good things for opposing offenses. Um, you know, but, you know, and, and and I can't say enough. Seeing Mark Robinson in there as well, um, blow some things up. Right. Uh, and, and his capacity, I thought, was, was nice to see. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the defense, I mean, there's still, you know, is it is it a succinct group? No, not at all. But when you have that much turnover that we had, Wolf, this offseason, we had 54 out of 100 possible faces that were new in training camp. Yes, absolutely. That, that's a lot. That That is, you know, that that is the transfer portal on steroids for a college program. That's, that's what Dion's doing at Colorado right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, you turn over that many guys at the professional level, um, it's tough. And for them to play at a high elite speed – um, and ask them to do it in consortium with each other is an even tougher task as professionals. Um, but they're figuring their way out. And I think, you know, this is a testament to them figuring it out. And like you said, having the dynamic plays from your known, from your known suspects, um, you know, that breeds confidence in the rest of the group that keep on trying, keep your head up because good things can happen if we just all continue to run to the football and like Pat Peterson said, coming out, coming out of the locker room um, after halftime, it's like, finish the game, Yes. finish the game. And what that results in is we don't need the offense to do it. If we, if we take it upon ourselves, like they did last night, we, we love it and we want it, but this is also an offense that finished with negative seven yards in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to still come out on top means your defense played their absolute butts off in that second half, and uh, and their efforts won't go unknown. Like you said, yeah, I mean, I just give game ball to defense. Yeah. Um. And I, I, I yeah. Hey, George Pickens, honorable mention. You had a great play <laughs> um, yeah. that, that helped us out as well. But when we're talking about the game balls, I mean, the defense gets those um, because they 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 were the side of the ball that scored the most points. No question about it. I just, like, offensively speaking, I think George Pickens was worthy of a, a game ball with that 71-yarder. He also had a 25 and a 23. One thing I will say about our wide receivers, I, I, I hope that they engage more in the blocking aspect, too. That's something that, um, you know, I think can be improved upon. But certainly making some progress. Got a lot more to do, but we got to go to break. Because, Max, you got to get ready to jump on a, a plane somewhere. Yeah. Wes and I are going to do the bell lap together. All right? All right. Well, hey, guys, I appreciate it. Steelers Nation, we love you. We'll be back again tomorrow. And I will be back at, on the studio tomorrow. So, Wes, lead ninja in charge. We'll take it out with Wolf. Very appreciative, guys. This is In the Locker Room with Wolf and Starks on ESPN Pittsburgh and Steelers Nation Radio. Presented by your neighborhood Ford store. The F-150 is the official truck of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Welcome back, everybody. We got the bell lap. 
Yeah, that's a good sound of bell. That sounds it like really the one is, we used to. Down at Mask, uh, Martial Arts Sports Complex, where uh, Faith and I and my wife, we used to have uh, uh, trained athletes and fighters there in Bridgeville. What a great, it was, you had a bell like that, man. It was it was wonderful. It gets you just, going, doesn't it? It does. Oh, it does. Yeah. There we go. Now, if you want to drive me crazy, hit that a third time. <laughs> no. Now, go away or I will punch you a second time. <laughs> well, indeed, that's a wrap for today. We've got um, Mike Tomlin press conference coming up. Lots to hear here. We want to make sure that the, the Minka Fitzpatrick. Yep. That uh, Mink is okay, Gunner. Gunner, we got to find out about Gunner. That was that was a nasty hit. You know, I didn't see that up close until I got home last night. Watched it, a little bit of film on it. Yeah, and uh, he took a nasty shot there. I hope he's okay. Yeah, some injury updates. We'll be looking uh, to hear from Coach T. Obviously, he'll be recapping what happened last night. Looking ahead to the. Uh, Raiders here uh, on the horizon already Tuesday as well, too. So plenty of good stuff to come here from Mike Tomlin in uh, in just about five minutes, Wolf. Absolutely. So we look forward to that. And uh, what's our heart out here? Right about now. Oh, right about now. Okay. (laughs) You know, that works perfectly so. So thank you so much for joining us in the locker room. For uh, Max, for Wes, for CJ, all the ninjas, everybody here, we, we thank you for joining us. Stay tuned. Mike Tomlin press conference coming up next. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 